What's up, everyone? This is episode 233 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. Well, I want to start today with something interesting I saw this week that I think you guys might want to be aware of. So I was cruising patch listings on eBay last week, and someone posted a 2017-2018 immaculate standout memorabilia patch of Steph Curry, numbered 47 and 49, and it was in an SGC 8.5 slab. And the patch looked like it was part of a letter, I believe it was the top half of the letter Y. Well, when I saw this card, I immediately knew the patch had been swapped, and there were a couple of big clues. Number one, the material just looked way off to me. It was stitched, but it looked like something you might find on a knockoff jersey. And just a side note, this is a big reason why it's important to understand what types of materials were used in what eras. And that's why I bring guys like Kyle at Pacers Uni Tracker on from time to time, because even though he doesn't collect cards, he has a lot of valuable information to share with us nonetheless. So anyway, reason number one, the material was off. And then number two, the card was numbered out of 49, which, you know, there are plenty of prime sets that are numbered to 49, but not this one. All the prime cards in this set are numbered to 25 or lower, and you can check that on Trading Card Database, but everything's numbered 25 or lower, and then anything higher than that was supposed to be a regular jersey swatch, and I believe most of them for Curry were blue. So I tweeted about this card, or, or whatever we call posting on that platform now, and I assumed that SGC had slabbed an altered card, because we've seen grading companies slab altered cards before. I wanted to make sure they were aware and that they could learn from that mistake in the future. But then a user named Auburn35 responded with another picture of that card in the same SGC slab that he retrieved off the SGC website, and it was a plain blue swatch. And we know for a fact it was the same card because you can see the serial number on the front of the card, and also because SGC lists the serial number on the slab. So, if you didn't catch it, there are two things SGC does really well that helps us here. Number one, they were the first to offer high-res scans of the cards on their site at the time of grading. And number two, I believe they were also the first company to regularly add the serial number to the label in the slab, and that's something I wish Beckett and PSA had started long ago. All of that is to say, this was proof that SGC did not slab an altered card, as I had originally thought. Instead, someone took the card out of the holder after it was graded, altered it, and put it back in. Which is kind of scary. Now, I've had several people reach out to me in the last couple years and mention that SGC slabs were really easy to open. I think they sense that, you know, essentially, this opens the door for a situation like this. And here we finally have proof that something like this actually happened. So I reached out to Peter Steinberg, the CEO of SGC, and I asked about any measures they've taken to prevent similar situations, and he replied in less than an hour, which was awesome. So here's what he had to say. Hey Kyle, one of our biggest failures as an organization is not more effectively educating the hobby about SGC's cert verification tool. We image all cards because counterfeiters will never quit, and this is the only step that can put an end to it once and for all. However, this is only true if collectors are aware that the feature exists and utilize it. This is where our team needs to be much better. 
We've made it our goal to increase awareness around the cert verification tool for a while now, but situations like this make it all the more important. I'm happy to say that the appropriate authorities were notified about the unfortunate situation and the item is no longer listed for sale. I hope you find this helpful and I'd be happy to come on the show to talk SGC grading or collecting anytime. All the best, Peter. So I might take them up on that if you guys are interested. We might bring them on at some point to talk about those things. But kudos to Peter for taking the time to send out such a thoughtful reply. And I also appreciate the tone of this message. I know I've been critical of some of SCC's communication in the past, and rightfully so, but this was addressed in a way that I believe will help further this conversation and further combat fraud. He mentioned SGC's cert verification tool, which is what poster Auburn35 used to cross-reference this slabbed curry relic. And even though I didn't think to pull it up in this situation, this is a tool I've used multiple times before. In most cases, just to grab a scan of an SGC-graded card I purchased because I just hate photographing and scanning cards myself. So I think it's only right that I take a moment here to share with you how you can use this tool to your advantage. So if you got an SGC card, go to www.gosgc.com, click on cert verification at the top, enter the code from the slab label. Uh, You got to confirm you're not a robot and it should give you the player name and set, the month it was graded, the grade, and most importantly, a picture of the card. And and that's a high res version if you sign in. So I did this for the 61 Russell I talked about not long ago. I've done it for a lot of my 57s because, you know, why should I scan it when they can scan it better? And now I know I should probably do it for any memorabilia cards I come across as well, just in case. So anyway, thanks again to Peter at SGC. Okay, enough about fraud. How about some mail? Got a couple pieces I want to talk about this week. The first piece I want to talk about is not a standard trading card, but I feel like it fits my collection pretty well. Uh, It was an armrest and cup holder from the Palace of Auburn Hills, so stay with me. Um, That, of course, was the site of the infamous brawl between the Pacers and Pistons, and then I'll also include Pistons fans in that as well. Uh, There's really not a lot of brawl memorabilia out there. I've got a ticket from the game. I've got an apology letter the Pacers sent season ticket holders, basic stuff like that, and I always keep an eye out for stuff from the Palace, should it ever show up, but there's there's really not a lot of stuff that shows up. Maybe a, a, a polo here or there, but nothing big. So these armrests have been on my eBay watch list for a couple years. The seller listed like 50 of them at $20 a piece with $10 shipping. And I wrestled with the idea of owning one. I thought, you know, if I buy it, what do I do with it? Do I just put it on a shelf? Do I attempt some sort of custom card? So I held off for a while. Well, then last week, I was trying to purge some stuff off my watch list, and I noticed there were only two of these left. And I have to be honest, I think a little bit of FOMO set in. Actually, I know a little bit of FOMO set in. And for all I know, they have another 50 queued up and ready to post for when these sell out. Um, Also, another side note, buying items to remove them from your watch list is probably not the most responsible use of the eBay app. I've done it before. I definitely try not to make try to not make that a regular thing. Uh, but here we are. I now own an armrest and I'm fine with that. I mentioned earlier I, I didn't know what I'd do with one. I still don't know. I'm pretty sure it'll end up on a cluttered shelf. I still think I might shave a big piece off the bottom and, and try to make some sort of a custom. We'll see. My custom skills are pretty limited. But either way, 
I think it might be worth a try. I thought that was a fun mail day that you might enjoy hearing about. The second piece of mail I want to talk about, another unusual piece. This is an envelope that ended up at my parents' house, which is strange because I haven't lived with them for many years. So I had a feeling it was an autograph request I sent a long time ago, and it, it was probably one of three things. A, it was something I sent when I lived with them, which was pre-2011. It's, it's been a long time. B, it was a tough signer who only signed one per, so I was using their address to get another card signed. Yes, I've done that several times for sets. Or C, it was someone I sent to around 2015 because I knew I was moving and I didn't want to lose the cards at a previous address. So I retrieved the envelope from my mom and inside of this envelope are two signed checklists. Get this, two signed checklists, same person. 1968 Topps Baseball and 1972 Topps Basketball. So I was scratching my head a little bit. Okay, why did I send these? And there were also two short notes. Said, hi Kyle, I found your letter when I was moving. Sorry I didn't send it back in February of 2015. Hope you are still around. God bless you, Jake O'Donnell. And then the second one read, You asked me if I worked any playoff games between the LA Lakers and New York. I did not. I did work in other series that year. And then he signed it again, Jake O'Donnell. And the second note helped me remember things a little better. I think I was trying to figure out different refs from the 72 finals so I could send some of my championship cards that had tough or deceased players on them like Wilt Chamberlain. Um, so Jake O'Donnell was one of these refs. And and there weren't really real accurate records online for who refed what game, so I had to either find it out on the old telecast or ask the refs themselves. Additionally, I read that he was an MLB umpire, and I decided to send a checklist for the baseball set I was working on as well. And now that I mention all that, I want to give you a little more info from Jake's Wikipedia page because I think he was a really interesting guy. So Jake is currently 86 years old, so as it turns out, He said he hoped I was still around, and the feelings were mutual. Uh, Jake was an MLB umpire for four seasons from 1968 to 1971, including Mickey Mantle's last game. He was the home plate umpire for that one. But he spent a lot more time around the game of basketball. He was an NBA ref from 1967 to 1995, and he refed over 2,100 games. He's also the only person to officiate all-star games in both the MLB and the NBA. Now, had I received this back in 2015, I probably would have just added it to the stack and moved on, but him losing this and sending it back eight years later made for a lot cooler story. I don't think I would have gotten the note otherwise, and I certainly wouldn't have shared the whole experience with you guys, so I'm glad that it happened the way that it did. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com. You're home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 33 million trading cards, from basketball's biggest stars like LeBron James and Kevin Durant, to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man, Thor, and Captain America. ComC has something for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. Additionally, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my affiliate links, and using these links cost you absolutely nothing, just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time, but they help support the show. To access these links, simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, 
Click the eBay logo or Amazon logo or wherever you plan on shopping. Just click my link first and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hustle, grind, spam, profit. We're the Whip Gods. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. All right, so joining me today is someone that is no stranger to this show or the basketball card content world for that matter. You can find him on YouTube, Instagram, maybe even TikTok under the handle 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards. So Jake and I spent quite a bit of time together at the National a couple weeks ago, and I am still dragging my feet from that whole experience, but it was totally worth it. Jake, do you feel like you finally recovered from that trip? I feel like I'm getting there mostly, you know, physically and sleep wise, but mentally I'm still like, I, I actually in one of our group chats said that I had a very elaborate dream about the national just last night. So we will, we won't go into detail about that, but yeah, you can tell my brain is still, you know, reeling and organizing. Well, I was at a card show today and the, the air conditioning was out. So I, I've almost had PTSD there for just a moment. Thinking back to that first day at the Nationals, pretty rough. But speaking of the National, Chad and Carter and I, we chatted last week and we discussed the idea of possibly doing another regional show in place of the National. So now that you've had a little bit of time to recover, I'm I'm curious to know if the magnitude of this one affected your thoughts on future shows. If you had to decide today, what's your tentative game plan for the summer of 2024? Yeah, tentative is a really good word because I'm still kind of on the fence. The allure of national and just seeing everybody is very uh, compelling. But, you know, Cleveland is not very compelling. And the, the convenience of having everything very close, you know, walking distance for most stuff in Chicago is is very nice. And that's not the same from what I understand in Cleveland. I've never been to Cleveland as a city. I've never been to the national when it's been hosted there. So, you know, I've talked to my wife a little bit and she's she's on board with me going um, you know, but like there's there's a show in Bur- like in the Burbank, uh, it's not in Burbank, but like one of the Burbank shows in January that seems kind of, you know, being in New England, going to California in January sounds pretty nice. So, uh, you know, there's some other stuff that we're kind of thinking about and there's really no set plans for, you know, the rest of the year at this point. OK, well, the good news is we've got plenty of time to decide. And I, I'm kind of in that same boat as well. I'm leaning towards something else. But you know what? I might end up in Cleveland after all. Uh, Anyway, during one of our excursions in Chicago, we got to talking about Reggie Miller cards. And I made the statement that Reggie didn't have a lot of nice inserts in the 90s. And while you agreed that he wasn't in a lot of the more popular sets, you literally sat down and drafted up a list of, I think, between 30 and 40 cards, which made me realize that maybe I haven't given this whole insert thing as much attention as I should have. So Jake, as I do with most things 90s, I'm going to defer to your expertise here. And you were kind enough to whittle that list down to your top 10. Now, even though this list contains inserts and insert parallels, there are no cards here that are strictly parallels or traditional parallels, as some people might call them, because this is an insert list. Can you take a minute, and you might have even done this on here before, but can you take a minute to explain for the people at home what is the difference between the two? Yeah, so I'll do my best. Parallel is something that has some sort of a unique design element that is similar to the base set, and it runs for the entire length of the base set. So think of 1996 Topps Chrome, 
and then you get the chrome refractor. So that runs for the entire length of the base set and it just adds the refractor finish or, you know, think 97 PMGs and, you know, you've got the entire base set and then you've got a PMG of each player uh, that has either the green or the red color. So those would be parallels and then inserts would be inserted various pack odds uh, and they have a completely different design to the base set. You know, so think if you're looking at modern cards, Kaboom is an insert. Downtown is an insert. Uh, so that type of stuff is, is what we're talking about here for the 90s. And then an insert parallel would be like the Kaboom Gold. Precisely, yep. Okay, so there you have it. If you're a Jughead that works for one of the major auction houses, now you know. Okay, Jake, so we're going to count down from 10 to 1, and I'll name the cards, and then you feel free to give us a description of each one and why you chose it for that particular spot. So number 10, because I bumped a 2000 card off your list, because you are the 90s guy, right? I'm going to keep you just in 90s. Number 10, you chose the 1997-98 Fleer Decade of Excellence Rare Traditions Reggie Miller card. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, so the Decade of Excellence in 97 uh, doesn't really pack a lot of punch but the the rare version of it uh add some hollow foil so this is a parallel like we're talking about parallel of an insert and those are very very tough pulls i i did a video where i talked about how hard those were to pull i couldn't even find one uh to purchase for my collection to show in the video now i did run into some at the national somebody had like a partial set the centering was all terrible but the checklist also doesn't have, you know, the Jordan that you would have in the prior year and some of that stuff. They have a lot of players that were rookies in that second year of Fleer. Uh, so you've got Reggie Miller, John Stockton, uh, Patrick Ewing. So Reggie, I think, is one of the best. I think it's also really cool because he has his rookie year Pacers uniform, which mm-hmm. you don't see on a lot of cards of Reggie Miller. And I think that's a really cool uniform. Uh, so it, it hit a lot of those check marks where it's got the hollow foil for some visual intrigue it has the jersey which is also kind of something obscure that you don't see often and it's also very long odds yeah and he wasn't in the 87 set so it's nice to kind of have this is like a um you know replacement rookie or for lack of a better term so it's nice to have that now you mentioned the foil and the difference in the foil Uh, this rare traditions version was series one one in 360 packs is this is the difference in foil? Because I notice it's only I think where it says decade of excellence is is his name foil as well, or you know is it a real subtle difference? Yeah. So basically, though, what would be in like the eighty seven Fleer set, like you said that, that Reggie's not in, where you have those two gray bars uh, for the rare traditions. Those two gray bars are all hollow foil. Okay. So it, it's a good you know it's, it'll smack you in the face when you see one in person. Okay, so maybe I need to, I've, I've just seen these online. Maybe I need to, this will be a recurring theme today. Maybe I need to go back <laughs> and take another look at those. Um, now, number nine, 1999-2000, Top's Finest 24-karat touch refractor. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so those also are really long odds. I can't remember, but I think uh, Card Channel on Instagram did some math and figured out kind of an approximate print run of those. It's it's somewhere between one and 200 copies are estimated to be out there of the, the 24 karat touch refractors. I know the Penny is one that I very recently got in my collection. It was hard to track down. And when I got it, I had a lot of people begging for me to, to let go if it's for various reasons for their collection, which I refused. Uh, you know, so they are very hard to track down. Uh, but also, you know, there's not a lot of gold 
in the 90s and this is one that has some gold in there it's not a gold parallel but the 24 karat definitely you know kind of hints at gold and it is a refractor so it hits some of those kind of cool things that we liked in the 2000s in the modern era with you know gold refractors and gold prisms and very very scarce they don't show up often uh and i, I think it's really cool when you know the 24 karat touch he had a golden scoring touch so it definitely fits yeah, and actually, when you sent me your list, this was the one that stood out to me as a card that I said, I don't even know what this looks like. I can't picture this card off the top of my head. And I found one on eBay sold listings from a zero feedback seller with a 50% positive feedback rating. So I'm not sure how all that works, but uh, it still sold for $107. So yep. that goes to show you, even with all of the red flags, these things are still really rare. And, um, you know, like you said, this is not an easy card to come by. I read the odds were series two, one in 300 packs. Now I have not seen this one in person, but just the picture of it reminds me a little bit of a tops Chrome insert from the next year called in the paint. Do you mm -hmm. have, do you know, do they look kind of similar in person or is that this one maybe has some more gold in it? It has a little bit more gold. I really love that. It's, it's one that I actually have have a save search for you know for any player but i really want the lamar odom okay. i i love that but golden touch definitely has some similarities but it, it has its own allure with that gold i was fortunate my one box of uh 2000 tops chrome i pulled the tim duncan in the paint which otherwise i wouldn't even know about that set uh, that's wow. one i had to yeah had to look up okay speaking of tops chrome number eight is 1997 98 tops and also tops chrome season's best okay mm. tell me a little bit about that yeah, so the season's best card, I had to put it in there. Season's best, for those who aren't familiar with it, is really cool because it kind of gives you a few different designs with different themes. And Reggie Miller's is the Shooting Stars, and it, that set is pretty famous for the Jordan Shooting Stars. So this Reggie has the exact same design as the Jordan. So the refractor in Topps Chrome is really nice. You've got kind of like this faded blue background with some, you know, balls kind of floating around in the Shooting Stars. I actually like the Tops, the not Topps Chrome version a little bit better because it's got some almost like a speckled hollow foil, kind of similar to what we could call the the white sparkle today, but it's not white. It's like a rainbow. They really are very eye-catching, and I think it's it's busy enough, but not too busy. You know, 90 stuff tends to be very busy at times, and this is one that um, I think it adds more than it takes away. So I was going through this checklist, and I, I was very familiar with the Reggie version, but I didn't realize, I guess I didn't recognize some of these other cards were the same set because, as you mentioned, there's really, there's like five different designs in this at least. And it looks like it's, I noticed, I think it's by position. So like the point guards, I think were called pressure points, Reggie mm -hmm. Miller, Michael Jordan, the two guards were called shooting stars. Then you had the small forwards were front court finesse, power forwards were power core, centers were key master. And then Allen Iverson was hot shot. So I'm guessing that maybe they wanted one up and comer, uh, to be yeah. just with the hot shots. I think Sharif might be a hot shot also. Okay. They did like some guys from the prior year rookie class. Now, I don't know the odds on these, but these definitely come up a lot more than the other cards that we've talked about already because I, I feel like I see these at shows. I see these online. I see these on Comp C. I see these all over the place. So um, don't know the odds, but definitely not as rare just from our unscientific study here. Okay. Number seven is a 1997-98 SP Authentic Profiles. 
Yeah, so the cool thing with the SP Authentic profiles is there are three levels to it. So when I'm thinking of profiles, there's level one, which some people call the silver. Then there's level two, which some people call the gold, which can be overlooked. So it's one of those that's fun to find in like a dollar bin or, or stuff like that, especially for some of the bigger names in the set. And then the level three is really where things get kicked up because it adds some die cut uh, but they're also hand serial number to 100. So they are very hard to track down. They are very collectible. There's people that are trying to put together the set. You get player collectors, all kinds of stuff. You know, it, there's a penny in there that I do not have yet. Uh, you know, so a lot of stuff that makes me envious of, you know, when I see when I see other player collectors with those, like, you know, Reggie Miller, they're they're cool looking and they're they're hard to come by. And I think it's a it's a really nice set. 97 SP Authentic is is a really nice set. I think uh, was Josh from '90s Auctions. Was he doing the set at one point? I don't know if he still is. I think he still might be trying. I don't know if he completed it or yet. It's a tough set, though. A lot of, like you said, a lot of people chasing those. They don't come up often. Um, maybe Chris doesn't like them from uh, crossover because they're yep. hand numbered. But so that's one less person going for him. But there is a lot of competition for those out there. Okay, number six is a 1996-97 Fleer Ultra Court Masters. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that set. Yeah, this is a beautiful one. Uh, you know, a lot of people recognize the set for the Jordan. So one of those that Reggie Miller's in a set with Jordan. We've talked about two of those. This is the second one. An acetate card that has some color on it that kind of fades. And you've got kind of like the key, but I don't know what the word is for it. I've, I've talked about it before where it almost looks like the viewfinder when you're taking a photograph. And they really have it centered well. They get really nice in-action shots of the players. Uh, so that Reggie Miller with kind of like the yellow that fades up to clear but you've also got some of the gold foil on there for the key i think just looks really nice it's, it's one of those sets that a lot of 90s collectors really gravitate towards because it's just it, it looks really nice but not in a very like in your face way it's it's subtle but very nice now penny is penny in that set yes yep he is and you've got that one I do. I think I have two copies of that one because, again, it's just it's too nice to not have more. <laughs> do you have a graded copy by chance? I think one of them is graded. So this is where I get fuzzy. Some of my stuff I have graded and some it's not. So I might this might be one that I have a raw copy and one that's graded like and it might be like a if I'm remember off the top of my head, it might be a CSG nine. And it was from one of their CSG because I don't have any recent CGC. I, th I think, I mean, it's either that one or there's the starring roles. One of those is a CSG nine. I can't remember which one. Okay. Well, I saw a, a, a Reggie Miller listing, I think for a PSA 10 and it mentioned that it was a pop three. So in addition to these being a tough chase, uh, I'm guessing with the acetates, probably a pretty tough grade as well. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, the gold foil is where I see a lot of issues with these, where the gold foil just kind of flakes off sometimes. And it's, again, not a very, it's not a lot of gold foil, so it can be easy to miss if you're looking to grade something. And you might just not notice that some of the gold foil has kind of been missing around the, the edges of, of where they, they have that laid. All right, number five. Number five is a 1998-99 Skybox Molten Metal Fusion Titanium. A lot to unpack there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this one, actually, ironically, I just saw you posted a video where uh, you got a Kenny Anderson. So, yes, um, that's right. These are cards that are near and dear to my heart, uh, a penny card that I tried to seek out for, for a number of years. So, all right, Molten Metal 
there were two sets of of metal cards in 98 99 this is the skybox molten metal not to be conflared with the flare metal universe so skybox molten metal the fusion there's a set that has kind of it's very similar to platinum portraits from 97 98 metal uh where you've kind of got the player's face with like pin dots it, it made out of the card it's it's very intricate and this is a gold version so you know the base quote unquote is silver and then there's a parallel that is the fusion titanium that is gold so it, i'm probably as i'm describing it confusing people more than i'm clearing it up <laughs> well but because it gets trickier too right with the yeah. serial numbering Yes, exactly. So that's what I was going to go into is Reggie's in the part of the set that is not serial numbered. There is a first half of the set where like Jordan's in there and Kobe and Vince Carter and, and Alan Iverson and a bunch of other guys that are serial numbered. So when you get to these gold ones, the titanium ones, the serial number is actually laser cut into the card rather than being stamped onto the card. And then you get to the second part of the set, which Reggie's in, Penny's in, some other players. Those are not serial numbered. They are very scarce, but they have they're not as scarce as the serial numbered ones. Um, but because of the very scarce ones in the first series, these ones get a little bit more attention for those who are looking for some of the, you know, the fun of the gold and design elements, but don't want to pony up for a card that's serial numbered to just 40 copies. So you'll, you'll see some of these that go for numbers that might kind of make you scratch your head, but that's why they're, they're scarce. They're desirable. They're cool. And the other cool thing about them is if you flip them over on the back and you look at the player's face, that's been laser cut into there, uh, it looks almost like it's Brown or like kind of burnt and, we learned from Gene from Arena Designs that that's because the paper stock was actually burnt when they were making those with the laser cut. Uh, mm. So it, it looks like it's burnt because it was burnt. And that's that's part of the design. And uh, it doesn't take away from the grade if you will look to grade them. Um, but I think it's cool. Now, that happened with like Silky Smooth too, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. I think there's a lot of laser cut stuff that looks kind of burnt. Um, and I think it's kind of the same thing. There was, uh, there was also a, a set in um, Panini Innovation. That was had a laser, um, a laser cut in it that had some brown around the edges. And once Sholey pointed that out to me, it just it bothers me. It just bothers me every time I look at one. But anyway, I've got the David West. I still need the Paul George. So if anyone's listening and has the Paul George, I need that card. Okay. And I, I need the penny of that. That's one of the oh, few okay. he's in there. cards. Yeah, he's in there in a son's uniform. That's one of the few Panini era cards of Penny that I, I really do want. So I'm glad you're embracing this whole like other eras of Penny thing. It's it it just feels right. Yeah, I can't completely ignore some of the nice stuff that's out there. It gives you a way to branch into other stuff. All right. Number four, 1997-98 Skybox Autographics. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about why you chose that. Yeah, so uh, Skybox Autographics is really an iconic 90s insert set. Started in 96. Reggie was not in that first inaugural set. Uh, so this is the first, as far as I'm aware, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is the first pack-pulled card that's autographed by Reggie Miller. So between the iconic nature of the Autographics insert set and the history of it being the first you know, on-card autograph of Reggie that pack pulled i thought that this was definitely one that that deserved a high spot on the list but i toyed with how high to put it mm -hmm. <laughs> so because it's not from 96 it's, it is from 97 but i actually like the 97 design quite a bit i feel like these don't show up as much they aren't kind of one of those that are in everybody's mind you see a 96 and it's like oh yeah i know what that looks like and i feel like 98 uh gets shown a little bit more because tim duncan's in there but 97 i think kind of 
flies under the radar a little bit and, and it and it shouldn't because there's some great players in there like Reggie. Yeah, and Reggie gave us a nice big autograph on that one too. I mean, I as far as I, I, I would say he's one of the players that filled the biggest area from that set that I've seen. Now you mentioned it's his first pack pulled autograph. So he's got two from I think he's got one from Tops Embossed and he's got one from Stadium Club, but those were both like Sam's Club or box sets exclusives. I don't know the full details of it. So I, I hate, uh, I don't want to give any misinformation. So we'll leave it at that. But, but there is some earlier stuff. But like you said, I'm pretty sure it's not pack pulled at all. So, all right. Number three is a card that definitely was pack pulled, definitely from that earlier era. We don't have a lot of that stuff on here. Is 1992 93 Top Stadium Club Beam Team, which is a set a lot of people mm. know about. But tell us why you chose this to put it in your top three. Yeah, so so the Beam Team is one of those sets that gets a lot of love for being really the the first insert set that set off the insert set craze. Uh, you know, they were essentially one per box, so uh, they were hard to get and a long checklist. You know, so there's some players on the list that people might not be as excited to pull. You know, but other players like Jordan and Shaq get a lot of love. But um, I think this is an important insert set in the nineties and Reggie's in it. And it's an important card of Reggie because like we talked about, there's a lot of really nice iconic nineties insert sets that uh, just kind of skipped over Reggie for whatever reason. So this is one that didn't, I think they did it right. Uh, I also really love the picture, you know, cause it's, it's mm -hmm. him shooting a jump shot, which he was known for, but I also love that you get kind of that iconic Reggie Miller wristband in the, in the photo there as well. Yeah, you get the wristband, you get the follow through, right? Which mm -hmm. a lot of the shots will have him with the ball still in his hands. You get right. that awkward follow through where he's crossing his hands, which is uh, just classic Reggie. Now, I was reading about this set. I mean, I mean, obviously, I've seen this set a million times, right? But I was reading about it on Beckett's website, and it says that this was to commemorate the top sponsorship of a six minute NBA laser animation show called beams above the rim that debuted at the 93 NBA all-star game. And then I guess there was a, a 10 city tour that followed that. So I don't remember hearing all of that stuff. Um, so I, I'm glad you brought this one back up and, and forced me to look into it a little bit here. Okay. Number two is the 1998, UD choice star quest. And you mm. put on your, uh, on your list, gold is the best, but we'll, we'll discuss it in general. Tell me a little bit about star quest. Yeah, so so this is something that's uh, kind of a little bit of a homer pick if I have any on the list. But uh, so 98 uh, UD Choice, they had the StarQuest set. They have four levels. So the one star or the blues, and then you've got the two stars or the greens, and then three stars, red, and then four stars or gold. A lot of people today refer to them as the color, uh, but I know... <laughs> in the 90s we my brothers and i at least i don't know if we're in the minority referred to them as the number of stars so when you flip it over on the back you'll see the number of stars because that was kind of the theme of the star quest set the year before so you know all of them are you know they have their own reason to have some shine but the gold are you know particularly nice they're serial numbered to just 100 copies they very rarely show up they're very condition sensitive with that gold foil all the way around the edges of the card you know so they're scarce they're condition sensitive. Reggie's in there. Reggie's in there with a pinstripe uniform, which I love. Uh, those Pacers pinstripes, and and like I said, it's it's a homer pick because it's a card that I I sought after for many many years. Well, it's nice you had your little collecting community of your brothers to help inform you about certain things because I pulled a red Jordan when I was a kid, and I just assumed mm. it was red because he was on the Bulls. 
And that, mm-hmm. that's kind of the, that was kind of how I just assumed things were as I was collecting during that era. Well, obviously later on, I found out it was a, a pretty rare card, even though it wasn't that top level. Ironically enough, I did own for a very short time, a Penny Hardaway gold that I found in a lot and uh, one off from Jersey number. If I remember right, I think it was two oh, out wow. of 100. Yeah. So didn't quite get that Jersey number, but, and you ended up, you were chasing one of those. You got one of those as well. So I know that was one you chased after a while. I'm glad you could land that. Okay. Yeah. Number one. And this, uh, I've got quite a bit to say about this one is a 1997, 98 UD game Jersey. So tell me all about this set. I know you've, ch- I've seen you chase this on your channel. It seems like at least a handful of times you've tried to to chase this yep. card. So tell me about this. Yeah, yeah. So the '97 game jersey set in general is is iconic for a lot of reasons. Uh, chief among them, it's the first NBA set that had pieces of memorabilia of any kind inserted inside of the card. So obviously, it's a swatch from a game worn jersey from each player. So not only are they iconic for that reason, but they're also ridiculously long odds. I think off the top of my head, if I remember correctly. You might have them there. I think it's one in 2,500 packs. Yeah, that's what it is. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're chasing it as long as I have, you, those those things tend to stick in your memory. <laughs> so, um, yeah, ridiculously long odds. It was almost comical back in the 90s how long those odds were. Because, like, you know, stuff one per box were, like, astronomical odds to us at that time. Uh, so, you, you know, start adding more zeros to the end. And, um, yeah, so... Reggie being in that set uh, is is really nice. He deserves it. And, uh, you know, it's it's just it's such an iconic set. It's like, OK, you know, is this number one or two? It's it's one of the mm. it's one of those, you know, it can't be both. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you I actually did see one at the national this year. And if I remember correctly, I, I think I start, shot a picture of it to you when I saw it and, and uh, it's just one that you don't see too often. That's the only one that I saw at the national. I hadn't seen it in the prior two years. And, you know, as we talked about uh, the penny, there was also one of those in the building and I didn't see any more than that, that one. So I should have appreciated the picture when you sent it to me because it is an insanely rare card, but I, I don't know if I voiced this to you. There's one major complaint I have about this card. Did I, did I tell you what that was at the national? I don't think you did, but I wonder if I could guess. Okay, yeah, please, please go ahead. Is it is it because one of the two pictures he's in street clothes? Yes, well, not only street clothes, he's wearing like a an unbuttoned denim shirt and yeah. and with a white shirt underneath it. Like er, like everyone else has got these cool pictures. Like why? And he's got this goofy grin on his face. It's just this card has bothered me for years. And then on top of that, you know, I'm a two thousands guy. I'm a patch guy. So when I saw your list and you had autographics and you had this card on there, to me, I, I've kind of always put them in three separate categories, inserts, autos, mm-hmm. and memorabilia, even though they are insert sets. I, I mean, you're, you're 100% right there. So uh, it, it was kind of hard for my brain to see that and to calculate all of that. But you went through some things there that that really have got me thinking about this card now. Like maybe maybe I do want this on my list because like you said, it is a, it's the first NBA pack pull Jersey card, right? So it's, it's very significant in that regard. It is incredibly rare. And then there is also something they did on the backs of these cards that I really liked is they told you uh, for, at least for Reggie, they did, they told you that it was from a 93, 94 Jersey. So Mm -hmm. it it specifically tells you, and, and that's what I've been asking for from card companies for a long time now. So we got that kind of 
a provenance on the back. And, um, you know, I think we took that for granted back then. So maybe, maybe yeah. I can look past this goofy Reggie picture on the front, but man, I don't know. Penny's got a pretty good picture, right? So Penny's actually got two cards. He's got a home and an away. The away has been the one that I've always wanted because the blue jersey's so, you know, just so iconic to me anyway. Uh, but also part of the reason, and, and it's it's kind of funny you bring it up, is the home version, that same, you know, kind of the close-up picture in the corner, it has him in like a black and white polo or a button-up, like street clothes okay. again. And Okay, uh, so, so Reggie's not the only one then. He's not the only one, and I don't like that about the penny card. So there's, and I'm not alone. There's a lot. Like if you look at auctions, a lot of times the away penny will sell for more. Some people will say it's just because of the blue jersey, which I don't disagree. But I, I know a lot of people refer to the home one as the street clothes penny. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that that definitely has an impact too. I, I've just never been a big fan of of street clothes cards in general. I know there were some WNBA autos back in the day from Rittenhouse where they had the like the jersey version and the street clothes version. It's like why are, why are we doing this? Unless it's a draft night photo, why why is right. this a thing? So anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, but Jake, <laughs> I I loved your list here. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on today and and giving me a lot of info that I didn't know or or maybe that I took for granted about some of these Reggie Miller cards. And um, you've got me thinking about some of these I don't have, which is a lot of them, and maybe which ones I'd like to add going forward. So before I let you go, I want to give you some time to offer up any final thoughts, give your social media handles, and plug anything you might be looking for. Um, you know, because I know you got that penny card now that at the National yep. that Jersey that we just talked about. You got that one. So these next few moments here are yours. Yeah. So one thing I do want to add to the to the list is one honorable mention, and that's the uh, 99-2000 Upper Deck Encore uh, Electric Currents FX. So it's a parallel version, numbered to 150, if I remember correctly. The reason why I want to kind of add that as an honorable mention, make sure we don't overlook that, is because one of the most iconic insert sets from the 90s, as a lot of people know, is Scoring Kings. And Reggie's not in that set, even though mm -hmm. I didn't think he deserves to be. But that electric currents has a very similar design. I don't think that's a coincidence with light and bolts and hollow foil and all that kind of stuff. So that 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 in the rare traditions, I was fighting for those two on the number 10 spot. So um want to make sure to give that that set a little bit of shine. But yeah, so um that's the Reggie list. I think it's a shame that he's not in more uh 90s inserts, but you know, that's anyway, we could we could nerd out on how great of a 90s player Reggie was. You know, you can find me, as you said, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and a little bit of TikTok every now and again, <laughs> 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards. Um, and yeah, for stuff that I'm looking, I've checked off a lot of boxes on my top 10 and top five list, but uh, 97, 98 tops finest gold embossed die cut refractor is the next highest on my list. So uh, we'll see if in the next year or two or three or four, I can land one of those. And I won't spoil it because it, I know it's not in hand yet, but Jake did knock off another card that he's been looking for. So you want to watch his channel. I'm sure there's going to be a whole video about that soon. Uh, I won't spoil it. I want to say it, but I'm pretty excited about it. Glad you found it. So anyway, in the meantime, though, you can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. If you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the website for my affiliate links, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.